Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Hello, film lovers. And people who just think films are all right. Yeah. To film fans and film dangos. Film, <laughs> Welcome. Film dangos. Yeah, they're people who think films are all right. Sounds a little bit racist. Only in your head. Yeah, you're right. Your guilt-ridden white head. Yes, I suppose you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. It's another week. Uh, buddy, the film dango dog is very excitable again, so there will be some... Dog-related noise in the background. You lucky people. <laughs> uh, uh, so, we're going to talk about some more films. Uh, we've um, gone back to our old friend documentaries this week. Um, another Oscar-nominated documentary uh, that we've been watching is The Art of Killing, which uh, many people have actually predicted might actually grab the Oscar. The Act which of was, Killing. The act, what did I say? Art of Killing. Oh, sorry. The Act of Killing. The Act of Killing. Which is a very specific pun in the title <laughs> that I should really have taken note of. Um, yes, the act of killing. Uh, do you want to explain what this film's about? Yeah, so uh, it is essentially. Oh, it's the worst way to start me saying essentially. That's um, right. The director, a man called Joshua Oppenheimer, uh, went to Indonesia and he contacted. Um, the gangsters or the killers uh, from the Indonesian death squads, which around uh, basically, basically in 1965, the uh, military overthrew the government and the military and paramilitary groups and local gangsters just wiped out a lot of the communists. Um, and this is a story of. A number of the gangsters who killed thousands of people, um, thousands of communists during that time, and it follows them reenacting their crimes. Taking them around to the scene of the crimes and getting them to make a film about it. Yes. uh, Which is the the strangest twist on this story. But, I mean, we should say for a bit of backstory as well that when they say they were killing communists, Pretty much anyone who was seen to be anti the regime or ethnically Chinese or left wing or anything was a communist. Yeah. And, that, you know, we're talking sort of McCarthyist version of uh, communism rather than actually a member of the Communist Party. So, as well as being a normal, doc- normal documentary, the twist is that these, uh, the, the killers that he follows, uh, the backstory for them is they used to work as um, outside cinema selling the cinema tickets. 
and they really like the American films in particular I think that the gangster films are very influenced by yes and for them to make money uh, they wanted to sell the, the American films and a lot of the communists didn't want to watch those films so that's one of the reasons why they turned against them well communi- communists are for sort of very pro-state propaganda really so yeah. the the uh, exclusion of American films is probably part and parcel of that but so they re- they're the, the main um Killers in this again. Gangsters is a man called An- uh, Anwar and one called Herman, and they reenact scenes from their lives, however they want to, and they're heavily influenced by American films. Yeah. And what is so great about this extraordinary film, and I'm I haven't got enough superlatives to say how. In- Incredible! This film. Is. It's one of those films that I would never feel comfortable trying to describe. Um, it's so unlike anything I've ever seen. I w- it's one of those where I would just go, actually, just watch it. Yeah, I can't do it justice by describing I, what it's like to like the. Re- I didn't. I didn't. You know, well up and cry. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel any of these sort of bombastic large emotions you can be made to feel with with violin scores or with melodrama. But my, it got under my skin so much. This film, it was unbelievable. You watch it, and you, I think if you're listening to the podcast, just stop and go and watch it now. <laughs> um, you, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like it. And it's one of those. It's the thing you strive to get when you go to the cinema. And I think we we watched the Square a couple of weeks ago, which I think was great and this was amazing documentaries I watched Dirty Wars as well which yeah. I, again I didn't think it was quite as good as The Square but it was still a very powerful the piece the documentaries have really outshone the uh, narrative films yeah. I think for me this Oscars um, what is terrifying about this is they're following the documentary makers following these killers and it is verging on comic which is odd yeah the, the monstro- how they deal with the monstrosities and it's it, almost like their their silliness and their love of fiction has grown as a direct reaction to what they've done in their past. And their naive understanding of the uh, Western culture, mm. which comes across really sort of childlike in a sense. Yeah, yeah. But these are people who've killed... Personally, that, with their own hands, yeah. hundreds of people. And they depict, uh, reenact these killings as if it's someone from, you know... You know, they're one of those hidden boss things taking someone around their company, going, "Well, this is where I put the, um, yeah. this is where I keep the baked beans, and this is where I, uh, this is where we make the uh, sausages." I don't know why you still do examples. <laughs> you make the, make the sausages, but but only keep the baked beans. That, they're made elsewhere. It's that matter of fact. But what's worse than that is that they think they're making a certain type of their idea of filmmaking, and that that it's. The ultimate honour to actually make, have be, being a thing a film. To be in a film, yeah, yeah. yeah. Completely overrides their, any notion of empathy or uh, in or, the beginning. Or how they're coming across. Yeah. Like, and that's what's almost so wonderful about it is it needs their naivety, their innocence. I you know, use that word innocence quite uncomfortably. But Th- That noise is, um, buddy... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to take this noisy toy off him? Buddy, Lee, good boy. Uh, buddy the dog... Uh, Eating a dinosaur. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go on, play with something that is less noisy. Go on, play with that. Um, it's needed for them to be so una- 
uh, unaware of how they're coming across. If if it was a shrewder, more cunning person who was the subject of this film, they would try and lie and portray themselves as something they're not. I didn't get the feeling that these guys were capable of it's, that. You know, when they show old films, I think uh, what, what I may realise as well, as a consequence, is how media savvy the Western person is. Yes. Even when you watched, I think, uh, the talent shows that dominate British television, at the start of when they first started doing these, sing, you know, X Factor, you probably haven't every single country. Yeah. Uh, 15 years ago now, when he first started out, the people in them were very naive and they behaved differently. Yes. Now, every single person knows how to act when the yeah. camera's on them. It's like they're an actor in this show and they're acting in the style that this show needs them to act in. But this is... Uh, what's refreshing about this is there seems to be no... It's, it's almost like when you watch black and white footage of someone holding a camera yeah. and everyone gets excited and gathers around it. There's no sense of... It's like children trying to show off to a, a, cam- a camera. Yeah. And it has an honesty that I don't think you would get from the subjects in many other cultures, I don't know. No. You know from, which is incredible, considering what they're talking about. And they, and that is what's terrifying. They're so honest about the horrific, pretty much genocide, really, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 um, 2.5 million people that were killed in total during that. And there's something Coup to do with even like the garish settings and the colours of the, you know... Why of one the... of them is constantly in drag in the things that, that they're filming. Like, this is a mass murderer and he's always dressing up as a woman in, like, pink chiffon. It's 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 an unbelievable piece. And he lets them hang themselves on their own nooses, pretty much, I think. Well he, really... well, he does. He just lets them talk. Like, yeah. he doesn't lead them seemingly you know every now and again he asks a question that that feels like a westernized uh, western eyes view of what they've done and it's it's a bit leading but i think there's only once or twice in the whole film the rest of it is just so what else do you want to happen in this movie about you and they go off and do it yeah they recreate the burning of a village they recreate the torture of a man they but even to the point where the man is clearly innocent. Yeah. And they've told him what to say, this this friend of theirs who's now it's, acting in can... it. And they know that the guys are innocent, but they never talk about that really, or very briefly. The, the, the lack of empathy is chilling. Mm. It's utterly chilling. Yes. It's inc- I'm not... I, I was... Even now, I'm not for words, I was gobsmacked by that this this vision of hell almost yes where and I think a lot of people I read some articles on it it's almost like what would happen if the Nazi party had won yes. what happens if the bad guys win take over everything and they're in control and that's almost the vision you have of it yeah yeah where that is 100% ref, uh, a reflection of of everything that happened I don't know I don't know enough about well in- interestingly uh, Joshua Oppenheimer was uh, the director of this film uh, when it, at one screening in Berlin, I was reading on IMDb, um, was accused of this is like uh, giving the Nazis um, an opportunity to do a film about the Holocaust, of uh, reenacting the Holocaust. And he said, no, it's nothing like that because the Nazis aren't still in power to this day and haven't been punished. Yeah. That's the truth in Indonesia. These guys are still protected, not 
one of them has been punished for these crimes, and they're just. But and you can t- you can see in this film that 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 in itself is weighing on them. Yeah, they're going. They, th- there is a part of them that goes, "Why haven't I been punished for this?" I, I, I feel it was probably wrong, but nobody's punishing me yeah. for it. Uh, therefore, I'll carry on as if it's right. Um, but what's great about it is, as well, he does a very clever technique. I hope we're not spoiling this for people. Is he films them. The documents say he's filming them talking about how they're going to make the film. Yeah. And all these truths come out when they talk about it and how they're going to represent it and they ask each other questions. Um, so he's, he's capturing stuff that they don't even realise he's capturing. And there's moment, and, and then he plays footage of the reenactments back to them and they react to that. So there's so many different things going on here. It's about the horror of, you know, genocide. Yeah. It's also about what is... You know the line between good and evil, the line between human and evil. What is that line? And the there's so many questions. Self delusion. You know the mm. di- the difference between propaganda and what you believe, and and how these some of these people seem to just blur the two in their minds. Of if if you tell people this is true, then it is true, and you know that it's almost like, Orwellian sort of idea. It's like narcissism. It's like almost like the purest form of narcissism. Yeah, yeah. That you wouldn't even dare to put if you had a villain. This narcissistic, yeah. or this evil, you would think it, traditionally that's two dimensional for for yeah. an audience to believe. Well, I, I've, I've, whilst I was watching it, I was thinking, I don't think I've ever seen somebody who I know is a mass murderer portrayed in anything this jovially for this long without any slow mo or or evil music. I don't mm. think I've ever seen it before. Where just like this is the truth of how he is now. Um, you know, he's now an old man, mm. and this happened in the sixties. Um, so, was it the sixties? Sixty-five. Sixty-five. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so, so yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it it's an astounding piece, and I have to say, I really enjoyed the square, and I really enjoyed Dirty Wars, but this one is something else. Just from its concept alone, I mean, its yeah. delivery is spot on, but it it is sort of essential viewing I'd say I, the background to it I was reading there's, there's lots of good articles online I think you, if you look at uh, Sight and Sound interviews and other a few interviews on that is um, the director uh, <coughs> Joshua Oppenheimer he, he was in Indonesia making films so this took seven years to make so he was over there uh, talking to a lot of the victims and if you read this about I haven't read this no. so he was talking to initially this is around 2004 he was filming a lot of the communist victims who had their families killed and filming them going to sort of mass graves. And he said, well, this isn't really realistic. Uh, it isn't good. I know he put it in a, bit, a bit better way. Than <laughs> More eloquent way. It's not uh, great, you know, filmically, just people. And the family said that you should go and talk to, to the killers because they couldn't talk to them because they're still living in fear of yeah. the killers. And so he just went and filmed at um, a farm well next door to one where the killers lived and hoped that they'd see the camera and come out yeah, yeah. and in- interact with him. And they did, and they talked openly, and he said about all the deaths. Anwar, who's the main um, subject of the film, yes. was the 41st uh, mass murderer he, he, he talked to. And wow. all of them were as open as he was about it and, and spoke about it in, in that manner and he was from a, um, a, a Jewish background a lot of his family were killed in the 
in the Second World War by the, the Nazis. He's not related to Dr. Robert Oppenheimer of the Manhattan Project, is he? I it? don't know. I mean, Oppenheimer's a fairly... Uh, I don't know. Name synonymous with mass killing, isn't it? I don't know so, who that is. Who is that? Oppenheimer. Basically, he's the um, uh, I'm the destroyer of the world, uh, destroyer of worlds guy. He's the guy who invented the atomic bomb. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I should know. He's the father of the atomic age. Um, yeah. So that's well, that's the background to it, and that's um, and that's how he. And he found them. You know, he spent seven years following these people. You can see the, you can see some sort of effect of it over time and the film is also about that how then towards you know as it progresses you sense that age and you sense them changing and being different people yeah, yeah. and reflecting on who they are yeah I, I think uh, it is one of the most incredible films I've ever seen yeah I mean surreal without being ridiculous you know it's yeah it ne- it's never what you're expecting expecting mm. at any point I you can't take your eyes off it I think yeah I've 10 out of 10 yeah for me too 10 out of 10 and I think this should win and this w- this is um, of all the films I've nominated well, I think Blue is the Warmest Cut I always bang about that I think that's amazing <laughs> as well what's that uh, yeah this is in- incredible you yeah. have to go and watch this film um, it's interestingly I I uh, I watched the the standard edit. There is a director's cut available now. That's uh, forty minutes long. Yeah, 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 an extra forty minutes, which um, maybe not immediately. I mean, it'd be almost too depressing. But I, I, I will watch that eventually. Yeah, he's about uh, lots of things. Anyway, uh, let's um, go on to some lettuce. Some lettuce. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what. What do people need to do if they want to contact us? Well, if you'd like to email us, then please do so. Dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to write on our Facebook wall... That, excuse me. If you'd like to write on our Facebook wall, that's facebook.com forward slash filmfandango. Or you can tweet us at filmfandango. Oh, here's a letter. Yes. From someone from Liverpool. I can't do that. You do that one. Oh, no. <laughs> What I try and do is just say, to get into it, Stephen Gerrard, Stephen... St- Stephen Gerrard's a Liverpool midfielder. Stephen Gerrard! Hello! I'm from Liverpool. I just listened to last week's episode and wanted to address something David had said about 12 years a slave. He wondered whether Solomon was difficult to understand. <laughs> <laughs> and passive, because that was how he really was. Or because the filmmakers had left bits of the story out. I don't know why I'm going this high. I might even go there. I was really excited when I heard Steve McQueen was making the film. So I read the book last year. I recently reread it after watching the film. For the most part, the film is faithful to the book. But they omit virtually all the acts of rebellion of Solomon and the other slaves. This makes them come across as more passive than they really were. Um... Blah, blah, blah. He tells you about a lot of other things. Um, <laughs> I really like Django, and there's something to be said for fantasy revenge stories. But Solomon Northrup's book has loads of similar material, and it's all true. For some reason, McQueen and his screenwriter thought it would be better to ditch that stuff. Bizarre. Anyway, here's a question. Have you ever read a book? Book. 
yeah, that yeah, made the a film book. based on it look poor in comparison. Cheers, Rob. So there's lots of stuff in the middle about bits they've cut out. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. That is interesting, though, isn't it? That uh, Steve McQueen's chosen to cut the bits of him standing up for himself and trying to escape, trying to rebel. And that would have been one of my criticisms of the film. Yeah, as me well. too. I, th- I think. I think that is missing from the character. That is missing from the story where you go, why Why isn't he ever tried? You yeah. Know? Um, very interesting. Very interesting. I'd be interested to read the book. Um, uh, reading a book that makes the uh, film seem rubbish by comparison. Yeah? While Dave was saying that, he was waving us a, a dog toy aggressively at my face. Yeah, it's a sort of black and orange sort of... Uh, sausage. Sausage, yeah. Waggly sausage. And that was the same colour as, as the paramilitaries <laughs> Very true. in the act, of killing. the act of Killing. What does that say about you? Listeners, uh, if you'd like to imagine it, it's a bit like uh, if a tiger's Gar- Garfield the cat was uh, was hung like a horse. Um, oh, my word. There you go. There you go, bud. Um, books that make the films of them seem ridiculous. Um, it's tricky when the number of things that I've actually read and seen, both of... The um, books are always normally better. Yeah, because I mean things like that. Um, they can get in more depth. They can do more in a book. It's you know, it's it's that much more intimate and can it can tell rather than show. You know, which is a lot easier to do as well. Ones um, that stand out for me are well, The Stand by Stephen King, which is an amazing book, but uh, some terrible interpretations of that. The Running Man, which uh, is actually a really fun book, very okay. Orwellian, you know, terrifying thing. It's short, isn't it? That, uh, yeah, it's quite short, but the, the the film has nothing to do with it at all. I would say there's a film called uh, C, uh, is it called Series Seven Contenders, which is probably yeah. a bit more like The Running Man, actually. But um, um, one for me, very recent. I think I spoke about it a while back. The book of the help I thought was amazing. Yeah. Whereas the film, once you've read the book, is awful. Right. Yeah. I remember thinking about Jurassic Park at the time. Actually, I think Jurassic Park's a wonderful film. Um, you know, of its genre, but the book is actually a bit more in depth. It's got more going on. Mm. More about chaos theory and more about you know bureaucracy. Really, that the there will always be a certain amount of chaos in a system so trusting the system wholeheartedly will always be doomed to fail there's more themes going on if there's one thing I like to have in a book it's bureaucracy I love bureaucracy in a book I can't even say it properly bureaucracy bureaucracy it's quite hard red tape just say red tape yeah red tape yellow tape red tape yellow tape (laughs) Um, one film was quite interesting I read all I do in these podcasts is just repeat myself so just yeah, you just stop. People listening. love repetition. They love it. They Dr- love repetition. They <laughs> love repetition. What do people love? Repetition. repetition. Uh, Drive, which is uh, by James Salis, is not is interpreting the film. I thought the the film was better than the book. Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy goes into Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just change the car. Yeah. Get rid of the uh, the the old lady. Yeah. Replace it with a hammer. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> On the back seat. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Well, there's, there's, it lets the film of Drive lets you interpret a lot, doesn't it? You have to bring a lot with you almost because there's a lot of just cool music and beautiful lighting going driving around. You know, you there's a lots of unsaid things where you have to sort of. All I wanted to do is wear a scorpion jacket and then against the wall after that. I know, I know. And did you? No. Um, Unfulfilled. On our Facebook page, Darren Rogers has written to me. What's he want? He's got... I don't know what his voice is. It's like... 
I just do it in my voice. Unlucky. <laughs> I noticed a lack of animated films in your best films from 2013. Are you not fans or did nothing stand out? If you had to pick one each, what was your favourite? Interesting. I, d- I didn't see many. I didn't see many films, uh, animated films in 2013. Um, Frozen passed me by. The Crudes I had no interest in. I mean, what, what else was on? You watched on? Um, the... Um Wreck-It Ralph, didn't you? Wreck-It Ralph I thought was fine, yeah. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't brilliant. Um, did Pixar have one out in 2013? I don't know. I, I yes, wa- Monsters University. I thought that was fine as well. It was just sort of a bit less ambitious, a bit less creative, you know, sequel fodder. I thought, you know, it's I, not going to be a classic. I watched uh, Paranorman, which I thought the animation was great on that. And it started brilliantly, but it was a bit too formulate towards the end. Right. It was very good. I also really loved, I saw last year, but I hadn't seen before, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Ah, yeah, 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 I've not seen it. It's a um, great interpretation. It was the, uh, what's his name? The bloke who did Rushmore. Wes Anderson did it, didn't he? Yes. Um, And we we watched, uh, I mean, these aren't really made in the last of these ones we just saw last year. We saw Bonfire of the Fireflies, was it? Grave of the Fireflies. Same thing. You're thinking Bonfire of the Vanities, which I'm is a very Bonfire different thing. Bonfire of the Graveflies. Okay. Uh, yeah, Grave of the Fireflies, which I think we saw the dub version, which knocked it down a couple of points, but still sort of very good. Um, the problem is, is, it's quite odd. I always go and watch films by yourself, and look, the animations are aimed at children. Yeah. So I'd, it's quite odd... I like to go on Monday during the daytime when there aren't many animations on because I'm of the... happy watching a kids movie, you know, Pixar you like or whatever. But yeah, yourself. sitting amongst kids and their mums is a bit odd. Yeah, um, I don't feel that that comfortable doing that. That was when I watched Wreck It Ralph. It was like that. Although with Wreck It Ralph, these kids wouldn't know what half the references were because they were going back to the golden age of computer games. So just like it was probably more of a film for me than it was for them. Stupid little. They idiots. don't know who Cuba is. <laughs> they don't know that Wreck-It Ralph is uh, just a sort of pastiche of Donkey Kong. They don't know these things. They don't know anything. Don't know anything. Um, okay, and we've got another letter in here. Do you want to have a go at reading? But he's very excitable. Yeah. What are you feeding him? Um, power bars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, like any dog. So it's the Oscars coming up very soon, and this is from uh, Dave Christensen. Don't put any accent on this because we've went up from before and he got really annoyed. But he's put at the bottom, he grew up in Dorset but's half Norwegian. Hang on a minute, I gave him an accent. Yeah. This is a running story. I, the talking saga of, of Dave Christensen. Talking of men who go to see kids' films, I gave him a voice which made him sound a bit like a sex offender and he told me off. And now he's requesting you've put on a voice on for him. Don't, don't. Marek, that's between you and Dave Christensen. No, don't. The view, the listeners demand a Dorset Norwegian accent. But that's what is a Dorset Norwegian well, accent? Dorset's like that, right? Isn't it? That's Dorset. Yeah. And uh, Norwegian is like that. So, uh, trying to con- trying to combine the two, I don't know what kind of an accent that would create. It's quite difficult. That's quite it. fun, though. That is incredible. Go, go for um, it. Uh, hi, Marek and David. Thanks for reading my last email. It's a slightly more normal voice. I'm glad you guys enjoyed The Square and the Dirty Wars. I thought I'd send in my predictions for Oscar winners, as it seems I only have to beat Chris Webb to get the prize in using my printer. Here they are. 
Best Picture, Twelve Years a Slave. Best Actor, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Best Actress, Kit Blanchett. Best Supporting Actor, Jared Leto. Best Supporting Actress, Jennifer Lawrence. Best Director, Alfonso Cuaron. Is it cheating that I've just predicted that the winners of the Golden Globes will also win the Oscars? Cheers, Dave. Yes, it is cheating. That is cheating. Uh, thank you for your list. That is an ongoing thing, but next week we are going to make our own predictions, so you've got to get them in if you want to get them in. Hey, and also there's that thing you said as well about um, a certificate. What was it? Uh, I'm going to make um, uh, an exclusive Film Fandango uh, winner's certificate for you print out at home with your own ink, uh, but it'll have your name on it and everything. That's exciting. Um... We'll make our own predictions, so if we win, then we might actually end up winning our own prize, which would be a bit embarrassing. I would but, love to get uh, something, uh, a certificate from you, David. Well, you'll, you may well get it if you make your predictions next week. So if you'd like to predict the best picture, director, actor, actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, send them to dearfilmfandango at gmail.com, and the person who gets the most right will win. It's really good if you email them rather than put them on our Facebook page for this but because we can um see them then and sometimes things get lost on our facebook page when lots of people post lots of new things get bumped out the bottom yeah um we seen any other films i've seen a couple of other films i saw an incredible film by which i mean a terrible film called um house of nine where house of nine house of nine i saw this just it it was on tv um it's one of those locked room films, you know, like Saw or um, a Cube or one Can of I those. Guess what it's about? Go on then. Nine people are in it. Yeah, but they're in a house. One of them's a murderer. No, um, they are told in a really, really clunky bit of exposition at the b- beginning by a v- by a voiceover from one of the men from Brass Doff that um, uh, the last one of them left alive will get five million pounds. And that's it. Uh, I wish they'd do that on but Deal or No Deal. What's wonderful about this film is it stars um, Dennis Hopper, um, Kelly Brook, and um, Peter Capaldi, um, uh, and Asher D as well. When was this out? I've never even heard of it. But nobody, apart from Kelly Brook, really, and Asher D, are doing their own accent. So Dennis Hopper is playing Irish. And Peter Capaldi is playing English, and neither of them can do those accents as good as they are in other things. And it just adds to the whole sort of bizarreness of this entire film. 2005? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really old. It's a terrible film. It's a terrible, terrible film. There are no twists, no turns, no nothing. It's just like, oh. Is it British? It's like it's, like it's been generated by a computer. Yeah, it's British. Mm. Well... House of Nine. But I w- Kelly Brook wasn't half bad in it. She sort of came across quite well. She can act in her own voice. Yeah, she's a nice lady. Yeah, I've met her. She's lovely. Um, I've watched Stories We Tell, which is a documentary about uh, uh, a, a lady is made. She was asking to wait for something else. I can't remember about her mother and everyone's relationship with her mother. Who I didn't really like it. Oh, okay. Good reviews. Who's in it? It's just a documentary about her family. Oh, of course, I right. thought it was a bit. Too self-absorbed okay. and not interesting enough. It's tricky, isn't it? It's it's almost that's a, we're a bit spoilt for documentaries because we've watched so many good ones. Yeah, it's it's actually a very hard thing to do. I watched Jack the Giant Slayer. Whatever that was called, that weird. 
Oh, uh, that weird the, CGI fest The CGI thing. Jack and the Beanstalk thing. Why? Why did you watch that? I watched it because it was on Sky Movies okay. and I didn't want... I thought I, I would like to... I wanted to go to sleep, but my neighbours were making noise. Right. So I wanted to think, what could I find that was inducing the most coma-inducing experience I could have? And it's got um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I want to say Nicholas Lindhurst. That's not his name. He's Nicholas the something. new Nicholas Lindhurst from what's the one from name? about a boy. Yeah, yeah. Nicholas Parsons. No, Nicholas no. Nickleby. No, Nicholas. How many Nicholas do you know? Nicholas Nicholas Holt Holt he's uh, he's uh, the new beast in uh, X-Men First Class of course as well um, yeah he plays Jack doesn't he yes and there's all um, Hugh McGregor's in it oh I Ian, love a Ewan McGregor film he Stanley, doesn't do anything Stanley bad. Tucci Ian McShane it is really uh, two dimensional but I, nonetheless I moderately enjoyed it oh that's alright then well, it was really average, actually, but it's just not... I'm glad I didn't go to see him to pay for it. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, speaking of really average CGI fests, I read a list of the highest grossing um, films with a female lead in them, and the number one is really depressing. Uh, Can you guess what it is? Film, films with a female Male lead... lead. The most successful female lead film of all time. What's the one where Mel Streep and the dingo kills a baby? <laughs> that was real box office gold. Dude, guys, killed my baby. What was it called? I can't remember. I've not seen it. I do know the one you're talking about, though. It's not that. Did dingo baby? Uh, no. It's Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. You're kidding me. No. Most successful fe- heroine what, what of all time. What else was time. on the list? Oh, well, you've got, you know, like, Alien is a bit further down the list. Yeah, surely and, Alien should be. No, that's like a number eight or something. Then, because um, we're talking about box office pull only, not actually how much people love it. Are these adjusted with, in- to, with inflation? Yeah, I think so. Um, and then, what else will have made it? Mila Jovovich, one of hers, will probably have made it, won't it? One of the uh, Resident Evil Labyrinth. ones. Labyrinth. Nope, Labyrinth wasn't in there. Oh. Um, uh, Tomb Raider's quite high. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, someone needs to do better, is all I'm saying, because Alice in Wonderland can't be the best thing that people... That Blue Jasmine must be coming up there. Must have I think I, it's... Uh, ooh, I don't, probably not for box office pull. It has to be a big old family movie to actually make that much well, money. Well, as we all know, listeners, most people are stupid. Correct. And I include myself among that number. I include you too. Thank you. <laughs> um, right. Well, that's enough for this week. Um, we'll be back next week for our Oscars special, or rather our Oscars predictions, and then the next week we'll be talking about the Oscars, I Did guess. Did you do the donations bit? No, I haven't done that. We do this podcast for free, so if you'd like to donate towards our running costs... Um, then you can do so by going to filmfandango.co.uk and following the links from there. And to everyone who has, thank you. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Yes, thank you very much. Um, and have a nice time, all right? Yeah, do. Just just do good stuff, yeah, mates? Keep watching the films! Mm-hmm. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.